0: Welcome to Conversations, a podcast featuring conversations about life, theology, scripture, church, and everything in between. Hosted by Genesis Church in Mexico, Missouri. Find out more at www.genesisbegins.com.
1: Well, uh, welcome to another conversations with Genesis Church. And um, I'm, uh, I'm Jeff Stott. Uh, I am uh one of the pastors at Genesis Church and um with Billy Johnson. Uh we started a series of podcasts last time on cognitive dissonance and how that relates to a follower of Jesus and how we should respond to it and how we should not respond to it. And um And this is part two, but in part one, we introduce what cognitive dissonance is. And if you missed part one, I would recommend you listen to it. Uh, But we will review some of the stuff uh, in today's podcast as well. But uh, I'd highly recommend going and listen to part one. And um, well, before we get into the whole reviewing process and getting into some new stuff today uh billy why don't you say hi so people actually know you're here well i
0: hello hello listeners <laughs> uh I'm, I'm happy to be back and I, I just wanted to mention that uh you know i went back and you know after we recorded that last uh podcast i went back and listened to it and and it, it even though i was a participant in the last podcast i really enjoyed going back and listening to it and and man I got a lot uh a lot of really good stuff out of that last podcast just as a listener. So I'm really enjoying this topic. I think it's very relevant to uh your to your everyday Christian out there and and I'm just I'm excited to continue kind of on this journey and and uh hopefully some people out there are getting some good out of this.
1: Well, uh I hope they are too. And I did go and always listen to all of them. Uh, and it's hard for me to listen sure. to the podcast and because I am my worst critic. Uh, and I made some mental notes of things that I have got to quit doing uh, when I'm talking. Would um, you like to share? Yeah. And I'm sure that I will do them today. I just hope I do them less. <laughs> sure. Uh, one is, um, uh, well, uh, mm, uh, I do that a lot. The other one is so, so. I say the word "so" a lot, sure. <laughs> and um, um, so I don't know what to do. Uh, so anyway, right. and and what's happening is so the word "so" and um, they are words that I I, I just I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I am delaying what I'm about to say because I'm thinking. Sure, it's you kind know. of bridging the gap. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm going to do, is, you know, and I'm, I'm just, ver- cause I'm a, I communicate by talking. I, I, I mean, it's, I think better when I'm talking to somebody about it, mm-hmm. you know, and my wife understands that because I, sometimes she's think she thinks I'm talking to her when in reality <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> cause I am talking to her, but I'm not really expecting a response because I'm thinking out loud is what's happening. I'm processing it. And so it goes, there are times where she'll say, Do, do you want me to respond to that? Go, oh, no, I'm just sort of thinking out loud, but you can if you got any insight about it. Well, see, I, you... I've
0: got the opposite problem. I just talk so much that my wife presumes that she doesn't need <laughs> she... to respond. I'll just keep going. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I can't, you know, she's listening to this right now. She's going, Yep, that's exactly yep.
1: right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, um, Oh, by the way, i got some good news, uh, that, uh, uh, I've got a new office chair coming in tomorrow, so i want to get rid of the squeaky chair. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And part of the reason is mm-hmm. that, that generated me o- ordering this thing and getting it here is, uh, uh, is because part of the chair broke sometime back and I just live with it because I'm cheap that way. <laughs> and, the, and so a few days ago, uh, another part of it broke. <laughs> Cause I've had this thing for years. Right. And so, um, and I thought, okay, all right. Uh, But I I decided to upgrade it. uh, Not in a sense of expense, but just uh, believe it or not, you know how you have a big and tall man section. Yeah. Like in clothing stores. Yeah. Well, they got a big and tall man section and chairs. Oh, they do they do I did not know that
0: I, I didn't know it either you know and yeah. I was I was sitting here thinking it's like yeah you probably better get it replaced you're going to run out of parts to break off of that thing yeah yeah it's uh, yeah. cuz right
1: now i have to lean to the left because it it, it goes it's it what's with sit me at an angle you'll just be sitting <laughs> so, on the floor if you keep going yeah that's right <laughs> okay wow i don't know how we got into that but anyway all right that's so yeah that's how that's how we do it all right, uh, we're talking about cognitive dissonance. Uh, so let's let me let me uh, let's review a little bit, then let's get into some new stuff. Okay, cognitive dissonance is the emotional conflict you experience when what you believe or value contradicts what you do or experience. So cognitive dissonance has three main parts: uh, a belief, something that contradicts or appears to contradict that belief which produces some type of emotional discomfort, you know, like embarrassment, you know, guilt, uh, anger, frustration, doubt, something of that nature. Um, so, and, and uh, we looked at how, uh, see, I just said so like three times already. All right. We, we looked at how CD, uh, how, uh, cognitive dissonance is a gift from God. Uh, this is all in part, part one. Uh, we looked at how it addresses your integrity how it is a source of anxiety, how it impacts your relationships, um, and is not the same as hypocrisy. Uh, And last time we introduced the four expressions of cognitive dissonance, and today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into one of them and how to respond to that particular uh, expression of cognitive dissonance. Now, our goal in this series of podcasts is to help you the follower of Jesus. So to address your own personal cognitive dissonance, uh, we, we're we're just going to dive into this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to give some practical illustrations of it. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about it. Uh, and, and when I share some of these scriptures, some of these scriptures, you're never going to see the same again because you're going to see cognitive dissonance right there. It's up in your face. Uh, so this is not new to the Bible. Uh, you know, humans, we kind of, we like, terms and phrases and so we come up with the word cognitive dissonance to describe this dilemma we have but the bible actually has already identified it and you'll see what i mean all right the the there are four expressions of cognitive dissonance Uh, again we're just reviewing here uh one is you've got a belief plus contradictory behavior and that produces some type of emotional discomfort so the second one is belief plus contradicting experience producing an emotional discomfort. In other words, you believe something, but your experience does not agree with that. An example we uh, use is you believe in healing, you pray for healing, and God does not heal. So what do you do with that? You know, uh, Belief plus contradicting new information. Uh, so you have a belief about one thing, and then as you're studying the Bible, you receive some new information that contradicts that belief, and you go, okay, what do I do with that? Uh, then you also have belief plus contradicting belief. So you got two beliefs in your system um, that uh, from time to time, they contradict one another, and you've got to reconcile that somehow. So there's the four expressions of cognitive dissonance. All right. Now, uh, let's talk about why... Cognitive dissonance is, is important as a follower of Jesus. And what I want to do with this is I want to read to you 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and following. But uh, let me say this. If you do not deal with your personal cognitive dissonance, you will not grow spiritually. Not going to happen. This is significant for your own spiritual growth. If you decide not to deal with your cognitive dissonance, you are deciding I'm not going to grow spiritually. That's just the bottom line. So Peter addresses this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says this. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Talking about his word. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. All right, hang on to that thought. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, I want you to notice that Peter said faith. He says, all right, supplement your faith. That's your faith in Christ. That's your biblical belief. That also includes your convictions and your values supplement your faith he says add to your faith moral excellence that's your behavior all right so now you have your belief and now you have your behavior and he is saying you you're going to have uh, when you become a christian you're going to begin developing beliefs and what he is trying to tell us is now we're going to take your lifestyle and we're going to take your um your behavior we want that to match what your faith is really all about in Christ. All right, now, when you get to verse eight, Peter says this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. If you want to be a uh, more productive and useful follower of Jesus in his kingdom, you're going to have to deal with this thing called cognitive dissonance. You've got to take your faith, supplement it with moral excellence. So this is crucial. This this is not this is we're not playing games here. This is not just some interesting subject. This is about your spiritual growth and your productivity and your usefulness in the kingdom of God on this planet, in your family, at work, in your life right now. Cognitive dissonance. We got to deal with it as Christians. You
0: know, and I can't help uh, when I when I hear you read that verse, I can't help, but think about how people say that the Bible's not relevant in today's society. You know, there, it it is amazing to me how every problem has been addressed. Uh, every circumstance has been discussed. Anyone that I, I don't know, anyone that could look at me with a straight face and say, the Bible isn't relevant in today's society. I mean, you know, it, it is a, it, it is a how to book. I mean, it really is, you know, and, and, you know, for people that, that don't believe it's relevant, it's like, you're just not paying, you're just not paying attention to what it's saying, you know, because it, it's amazing to me that we can come up with this term cognitive dissonance and man, you can, you could thumb through the Bible in, in a couple of areas there and see it very clearly addressed, you know? And so for the listeners who, who wonder if, you know, and I'm using air quotes here, if the Bible's outdated or anything like that, it's like, no, not at all. I mean, it is, it is clearly there. God has given us instruction and for anyone that doesn't believe that God knows us, you know, every hair on our head and from the inside, out, he's already addressed all of the things that he knows that we're going to struggle and have to deal with. And so it's, it's just, it, it floors me every time you open the Bible and just see the relevance, just jumping from the page.
1: Yeah. uh I love it whenever, um, I, when i when I say science uh, catches up with the Bible, sure, you know what I'm saying. And when you're talking about cognitive distance, you're talking about relationship science, you're talking about psychology science. and you know, I want these guys to keep studying humanity, you know what I'm saying and keeps uh you know coming up with these terms because it gives people like me an opportunity to say, oh, you know what the Bible has something to say about that, yes you yes. know because a lot of people will, will say yeah i got this cognitive dissonance thing you know what i'm saying and i got to figure out what to do with it and i said well you know the bible talks about that
0: do you and, ever feel like uh, a
1: broken record when you say hey you know the bible has something to say about that cuz i imagine <laughs> you yeah. have to say that so often yeah yeah uh sometimes i do you know yeah. and because it's like well you know the bible especially when you get into psychology there is uh and and when I say the Bible has something to say about that, I don't mean it necessarily agrees with how we define certain things, how we interpret, you know, our uh, mental and emotional health and our dysfunctions. And, but the Bible has something to say about that, you know, I mean, you know, all the time. So, uh, all right. So cognitive dissonance is the gap between what we believe and our behavior or experiences, that contradict what we believe you you will okay so you will hear me from time to time use the phrase belief gap and um and what i mean by that uh hang on here i'm taking care of an issue on my computer all right so uh you'll hear me say the phrase belief gap and a belief gap refers to the same thing as cognitive distance it's just that gap between what we believe and what we how we behave or what we're experiencing and and we want to close that gap we want them to match up so you'll hear me throughout the podcast and this whole series refer to cognitive dissonance and belief gap i'm saying the same that's two phrases meaning the same thing so i flip flop back and forth all the time with that all right so um and besides my southern accent it's just (laughs) easier to say belief gap (laughs) <laughs> okay i i agree i've got, I, I've I got to work agree. at saying cognitive dissonance you know what i'm saying I, yes. I really do uh i like to i'm a mumbler and i have to be careful about that all right so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna focus in on this belief plus contradictory behavior equaling emotional discomfort and um, um and we're gonna start with some examples and then uh we're gonna talk about how to respond to it so Let's uh, let's start with something a little bit light. Let me give you an example. Belief plus contradictory behavior. All right. So let's say you value commitment. All right. Commitment to, like, say, a sports team or whatever. But you quit the team. You might even value commitment to your workplace. You've been working there for years, and you can't stand it when people just work for six months and quit or work for a year and a half and quit or whatever. And you value commitment. But you quit. You quit the team. After quitting the team, you felt guilty for doing so and disappointed in yourself. The gap between what you believe and what you do is called cognitive dissonance. All right. And I start with this illustration because this is not necessarily a sin. And we'll talk more about this in a moment because cognitive, even though we're going to talk about some things that are sin, but sometimes we're experiencing cognitive dissonance and it has nothing to do with sin, it just has something to do with our value. But at the same time, the Bible does talk about um, if we contradict something we believe, uh, that is sin to us. So that's another conversation at another date. Yeah. So e- even this, com- you know, commitment versus quitting, technically it's not a sin, but it, it could be for some individuals, if, if that sure. makes sense. So, uh, for example, all right. So uh, here, here's another little lighter. Okay, let's say you go shopping. Let's say you go to Walmart, right? You got a couple of kids with you. You're trying to check stuff out. You're at the self checkout. You got one kid in the basket. You got one kid hanging on the basket, wanting to try to help. (laughs) They're handing you stuff. You're scanning stuff. They're wanting to scan this, you know, and you're trying to. And you know, it's just chaos, right? And you get in the car, you, you know, get everything loaded. You go home. You get there. You unload everything, and you realize, oh my word, I didn't pay for it, that item. It somehow got in the mix. Uh, well, now if you have a value of that, you know, don't steal. Now what are you going to do? Now you've got this cognitive <laughs> dissonance about, all right, should I load the kids back up, go back to Walmart, and walk back in, or just ignore it and move on? sure you you see what's happening here
0: yeah and specifically uh i've done this (laughs) i've done this now i did go back and pay for it because i thought you know it's probably not a good idea that a police officer doesn't go back and pay for the things that he carried out of there but uh i've i've absolutely done this before and had that uh had that quandary you know in my head
1: yeah so and you'll experience cognitive dissonance like right there. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, you will experience uh, cognitive dissonance even with, if you're a parent who has children, they're in school, they have homework. you got to, you still got to do supper. You still got to get them in the bath. You're exhausted. You got other things to do. You got to get them in bed at a decent hour, but there's some homework that they need help with. And you just, you value education. <laughs> sure. And you do not help them. You don't even mention the homework. And you say, nah, we'll just let it slide. <laughs> all right. And you start feeling guilty. Like, I'm a terrible parent because I'm not helping my child learn. You, know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. So, all right. But now, uh, but then as a Christian, you get into the Bible and you read certain things, like Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5.33 says something very interesting to both husbands and wives. One thing it says is it tells the husband, you must love your wife. And then it says in the same verse, the wife must respect her husband. Okay. So we got love and respect going on here. So the Christian husband values loving his wife and believes it's important for him to love his wife, but he finds himself speaking unlovingly to her. His body language communicates annoyance. His tone says, leave me alone. He holds grudges against her, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden now we're getting into something a little bit more meaty here, a little bit more serious, because we're now talking about, Wow, as a follower of Jesus, the Bible says I'm to love my wife, but man, she annoys me to no end. You know, that or, kind of or thing. I just don't feel like it right now. I just don't feel like it. And yeah. I feel and I'm a and i am start feeling guilty or uh, you know, as a husband, I start feeling I don't know, like what's wrong with me or something, you know? Sure. Well, flip it around. Uh, the Bible says respect. And the wife says respect her husband, and then all of a sudden, he does a bunch of junk that's not respectful, <laughs> not deserving respect. But the Bible says respect your husband. It doesn't qualify it. It just says respect your husband. Sure. And, uh, and you know, speak with him respect. Talk to him. Talk to him behind, behind his back uh, with respect. You know the whole thing. And but yet the wife then you know, cuts him down in front of others, cuts him down to his face, cuts him down in front of the kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she realizes that's not right. And she's got this cognitive distance going on. She believes she ought to respect her husband, believes, you know, to, that she ought to obey the Bible on this, but her behavior and her words, you know, don't match. And so she's experiencing this cognitive dissonance. Um. So you gotta, and Christians struggle with all kinds of stuff with this. I mean, for example, you got uh, Christians believe in you know that they ought to read the Bible, but then they don't, and so they're kind of you know you bring that subject up, they feel guilty about. They you know you got Christians who believe church is important, and they should they should go to church, take their family to church, but they don't attend regularly. They don't go. You know, someone would just dropped out since COVID. They dropped out and just watch it online. You know, and to them that's church. You know. And, but when they, if you talk to them about it, you know, you can tell they feel a little embarrassed or they get defensive or whatever, you know. Uh, but there's cognitive dissonance there. Um, Christians, you know, man, we're taught to evangelize, tell others about Jesus. Uh, however, if we don't, you know, and if you start asking Christians, well, when was the last time you shared Christ or when was the last time you had a meaningful relationship about somebody's spiritual growth, you know, with somebody? Um, you know, it's sometimes they, well, I'm missing a long time. I know I should do it, but I, I just don't, I don't engage in it for whatever reason. So that there's that cognitive distance over telling people about Jesus and not telling them.
0: No, I've anyway, ran the, that. I, I've ran yeah. into that a lot with a lot of Christians that I've known who know the importance of telling people about Jesus. And then they, you know, man, I felt terrible. I missed an opportunity today. And, you know, so, and I, and I felt that personally too so i think a lot of christians struggle with some of those you know you said so yeah there there are a lot of different things amongst christians that are very very common Mm -hmm. you know and and it's uh so yeah if, if you're listening to this whoever's whoever's out there listening to this if you felt some of these ways make no mistake there are a whole bunch of other christians that you know that feel the exact same way they may not talk about it but they feel the same way
1: oh yeah absolutely i mean uh And I'm just rattling off things that I've had conversations with, or I've seen in my own life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh, You know, so just to rattle off a few more, I mean, Christians believe in giving, but then they don't give. And so they feel guilty about that. You know, they believe in prayer, that God answers prayer, but they really don't spend a whole lot of time in prayer. So they feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some Christians, you know, they do agree with the Bible that sexual purity is important, but. They sleep, they have sex outside of marriage or they get involved in pornography or whatever. And they feel guilty about all that. So, um, considering our definition, description, examples of cognitive dissonance, I want you to hear what Paul wrote about regarding himself and his own struggle with cognitive dissonance.
0: So before you, before you go into this, I want, I want the listener to know that this is an incredible passage of scripture this when when i talked about relevance and the bible being relevant today if this is not one of the most clear-cut examples of the bible being relevant to the struggles that we have today i i I just don't know i mean this is (laughs) an incredible example
1: yeah it is um all right now it's kind of lengthy so uh, uh i'm gonna be reading almost 10 verses which is sad 10 verses oh it's lengthy. (laughs) <laughs> sure. when, yeah okay so here we go uh now this is a paraphrase i felt like it caught the cognitive distance better but uh the literal translations catch it as, as well but this one really uh catches it i think a lot more clearly all right so paul writes this romans chapter 7 beginning in verse 14 i can anticipate the response that is coming paul says i know that all god's commands are spiritual but i'm not Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. Now listen to this. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, Sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's command, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Well, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. I mean, that, those nine verses, that, or 11 verses, those, that is cognitive dissonance textbook style. (laughs) Okay. Man, that is incredible. Yeah. Just
0: unbelievable. Again, for anybody that doesn't think the Bible is relevant. I I, I don't know how you could listen to that and not believe that it's relevant.
1: And I thank God for Paul. I think God, I think I am so glad God inspired him to write that, to open up and share that. Uh, because when you break it down, I mean, you have all three elements, remember belief, contradiction, and emotional discomfort. It's all there. Yes. I mean, uh, well, I can give several examples. I'll just give one out of this. He said, I decide one way. Well, that's a statement of belief. I decided I, I want to do this. this Is my value. This is what I want to do. I want to do it right. I want to live for God. You know, he's stating he knows the right thing to do. But then he says, then I act another way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there's that contradicting behavior, you know. Uh, and then he says, he concludes the statement by saying he absolutely despises what he's doing. Well, there's that emotional discomfort. <laughs> okay? Yes, it's all there. Yes. And so, uh, uh, and, 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 and uh, I relate to that, and I also feel sorry for Paul because <laughs> you know,
0: well, I, I, I feel I, I feel I, it's weird when it comes to Paul. Yeah, I, I am both amazed and so thankful that Paul <laughs> existed, but yeah. <laughs> looking at him struggle through this, it's like I feel such a deep sense of empathy. And it 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 feels very uh what would be the word? Um known to me or, you know, it it it, his his struggle, man, I feel that all the time. You know, it's very relatable, I guess would be Mm -hmm. the word. So I, I feel both sorry for Paul that he had to deal with that. I'm very thankful that Paul was open and honest. And it's just so relatable.
1: It is, um, all right. So he talks about Jesus is the only, is the answer to this issue, and uh, and by the way, I, I I mean I understand what when people say, well Jesus is the answer. I mean I know what they're I know what they're trying to say, okay, but that is so vague to me. Sure, I mean what does that mean? It's a very it's a very
0: simplistic answer to a very complicated question.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like saying, well, just pray about it. Right. Well, wh- okay. Well, my understanding of prayer is not just fill out a request form, turn it in and wait for God and then do nothing and l- right. wait for God to come, you know, just to fix everything. Cause sometimes our prayer requests are fixed by obedience. Yes. The answer to the prayer said, okay, Jeff, you need to, you need to change this. You need to stop doing that. Start doing that. All right. That's another podcast. All right. So here's what we're going to do in the remaining, uh, few minutes here. We're just going to introduce seven responses. And I say introduce, we're just going to introduce them, uh, seven responses to, when we have this cognitive dissonance, this belief gap between what we believe and our behavior. And so I think in part one, I I said there were five. Well, that was true at the time, but you know, you do a little more research, do a little more thinking and you realize, Oh, well, you know what? There's really, really, there's really two more, you know? And so uh, here's what we got and I'm going to just rattle them off. And then we're going to unpack them uh, a little bit, but again, we're going to return to these seven with each expression of cognitive dissonance and how they apply to each expression because they are a little bit different um when we apply them to the different expressions of cognitive dissonance okay here they are when we experience cognitive dissonance and we feel that emotional discomfort between our belief and our behavior not matching up we'll do we'll do one of these following we'll discard it we'll devalue it we'll deny it we will delegitimize it, we, we will expedite it, which that's, don't, don't think of your typical definition on that word because it's a little bit different. We exp, expedite it, we justify it, uh, or we repent of it. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm sure you can figure this out, uh, the listener, six of them are wrong. There's only one biblical answer to them, uh, and it's the one we repent of it. And so let's, let's walk through the first six, the ones that we, and I want to tell you the first six, this is what we normally do. One of these six or a combination of the first six, this is how we normally respond to cognitive dissonance. We, you know, you know, and I I wanted to jump in and
0: say, you know, you said six of them are wrong and one of them's right. I, I just want to tell the listener, Hey, I've tried them all on. Uh, and only one of them fits. You know, I I've, I've tried all these on and only one of them works. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure the listener can figure out which one it is, but, uh, yeah, B. just, just know I've tried them all on
1: and, and they just didn't fit. <clears throat> all right. So, all right, Bill, let's just dive into this. Uh, okay. So one response to cognitive dissonance is we discard it. Okay. So when we discard something, we get rid of it. So one of the ways we attempt to get rid of emotional discomfort is by ignoring it. You could actually call this first response, you know, we ignore it. (laughs) Okay. Um, but we pretend we don't have a problem. We discard it by trying not to think about it or talk about it. If we discard our belief gap, we will not evaluate ourselves regarding. So if, if we can just simply pretend like it doesn't exist and we just ignore it, um, we can, uh, it, it'll cause us, Again, this is about spiritual growth. If you ignore the cognitive dissonance, if you ignore the belief gap, what's going to happen is you're going to ignore your own spiritual growth. You're going to stun it. Cause if you ignore it, you're not paying attention to those flashing red lights at the railroad tracks that we talked about in part one.
0: Well, I think okay. about it in terms of, uh, the whole idea of covering your head with a blanket,
1: yeah. Okay. So
0: you, you can do that. You can do that fine. But you but the longer you do that, the more the more visual things that are going on in this world that you don't get to see, you right. know, and, and, you know, and the longer you stay under that blanket, like I said, or, or, yeah, the longer you stay under the blanket, the more likely it is that you're just going to remain there. And you're not going to Yeah, like you said, you're not going to continue to learn, you're going to stunt your growth.
1: <clears throat> well, okay, so. Paul was talking to some uh, new believers in the city of Corinth, and he wrote 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians to these believers. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is full of just correcting all kinds of behavioral issues. Their faith is not lining up with how they should live. And it's just one thing after another when you go through 1 and 2 Corinthians. And but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when he starts all of this, he he calls them brothers and sisters. He calls them, he believes they're believers. He acknowledges that. and But he writes in 1 Corinthians 3.1, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world and or as though you were infants in Christ. In other words, they were still very worldly. Their behavior was very worldly. They were very selfish. They had a lot of sin they were uh, dealing with. And so from 1 Corinthians 3 all the way through 1 Corinthians, all the way through 2 Corinthians, he is just going through this list of behavioral issues that doesn't match their faith. And then he gets to the end of 2 Corinthians, and then he says this. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. You cannot test yourself. You cannot test your belief. You cannot test your faith if you ignore cognitive dissonance. And that's what he's saying. He says, look, don't ignore the things I've just said. There's an issue here. There's a warning here, and you need to make sure that you're actually a follower of Jesus Uh, because cognitive dissonance, we haven't gotten into this, but cognitive dissonance may be evidence that you're not. God may use that cognitive dissonance to reveal to you you're not even a believer. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's using their, he's using the Corinthians cognitive dissonance as a talking point to help them evaluate whether they're believers or not, which is pretty profound when you start unpacking all that.
0: Yeah. And pretty heavy too, at the same time.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, this stuff is deep. I mean, when you start unpacking cognitive dissonance and how God uses it, uh, it, it takes you down a very important rabbit hole. You know no what doubt I'm that, into no your doubt own soul that. you know what i'm saying all right so he says uh all right we discard it um all right so another thing is we devalue it uh when we devalue something we make light of it we downplay it i mean we'll say something like this it's not that big a deal there are worse things i could be doing i nah, don't worry about it it's just a phase i'm in we just simply downplay it mm-hmm. i'll grow out of it okay um, uh, so when we devalue sin or the belief gap in our lives, um, uh, we will struggle with admitting or confessing the sin in our lives. I mean, obviously first John one talks about confessing sin to one another and, and to confess sin means to agree with God, but, but we're just gonna, we have to be careful, careful that we just don't downplay this thing that we devalue it.
0: Well, because, you know, as we devalue it, we can begin to fool ourselves into, mm-hmm. Hey, it's not a problem at all.
1: Know, yes. Just at all.
0: It's just right. not an issue at all. You know, right. and that that man, that uh that's a slippery slope that you know, and, and I understand why people do it, you know, it makes them feel better. You know, we, mm-hmm. we don't want to feel bad about the, the things that we're doing, or we don't want to hold ourselves accountable. So devaluing it is a great way to not feel bad about it, but man, it's a slippery slope and it gets
1: dangerous. Yeah, and the thing is when you have cognitive dissonance. God has put in every individual the desire to close that belief gap. Sure. So when you feel that gap, you you want to address it, and that's healthy. But what's happened is, you know, Satan, the world, and our own sinfulness, uh, we try to close that gap with unhealthy ways. Mm -hmm. We try to feel better about the gap uh, without dealing with the real issue that's happening inside of us. And, um, uh, because cognitive distance, when done correctly, when addressed correctly, should draw you closer to God, closer to his will for your life, not further away from it. And, uh, it should draw you closer to him and less of yourself. And so anyway, um, you got another podcast. <laughs> All right. So, uh, trying to keep this thing under an hour here. So another reaction we have is, uh, and, and, and Billy, you just mentioned it. We just flat yeah. out deny it. Okay, we just declare that the cognitive dissonance, the issue is not, it, it's not true. It's, it's this person refuses to see a disconnect in their beliefs and their actions, even though there really is. Yeah, you know, when a person is denying their dissonance, they refuse to see it. So when asked or confronted about it, they will say something like, um, I don't do that. That's not me. And you got me all wrong, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And until they are willing to see it or at least consider it, bridging that gap is going to be highly unlikely and so and this may lead to a calloused heart if they don't have one already um
0: well and, because and, they yeah and and think about how think about the impact on the relationships with other believers and the people in your lives by denying it if you've got someone coming to you and saying hey you know I'm I'm seeing this and I, I want to talk to you about it and that denial happens just think about the the negative impact that would have on relationships with just people, because they're seeing it and you're refusing to believe it.
1: You know that's going to be hard to get around. It is, uh, and it and 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 I think going back to Paul's statement, I mean, we have to learn how to examine ourselves and test ourselves. We just don't do that, right? You know, well, yeah, that's hard work, and it that doesn't is. feel that good. No, it's not. I I don't want to examine. I don't want to examine myself. I don't want to see stuff that I don't like in me. I want to, I want to be the perfect guy. (laughs) Sure. sure. I want to examine other people. I don't want, I don't want to examine myself. Oh yes. I'm an expert
0: in examining others, but myself, Boy, (laughs) I don't, taking a dose of your own medicine can be kind
1: of difficult sometimes. (laughs) It it can. Yeah. I I don't like it. Um, which is cognitive distance in itself. We should examine ourselves, but we don't. So now I feel guilty for not examining myself. Okay. Another podcast, Uh, right? Yeah, another podcast. All right, so we're talking about we deny it. and So Jesus, he he refers to this as a calloused heart, which I've already mentioned. Because in Matthew 13, he's quoting Isaiah. So in Matthew 13, in, in verse 14, Jesus says this. He says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving for this people's heart has become calloused. And then he explains, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when we're talking about when we deny the sin in our life or the gap in our life, uh, we're just we're just not listening. We're not where we've refused to see it, we refuse to hear it, and because of that, uh we're not going to get healed of it. It's just not going to happen. That's what Jesus Yeah, we
0: yeah, we're not we're not placing ourselves in a position to be healed no. of that. You know, by no. denying it and just closing ourselves off to it, you know, it's like and and most of the time these folks that deny you know those belief gaps you know secretly on the inside way down in their heart they know they've got some things and man they they just they they really want to be better you know and it's like look being better sometimes is just opening up and admitting you have it and dealing with those those that emotional discomfort and and just letting god get in there and 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 work on you <clears throat>
1: And we don't like doing that. We don't want, No. we really, we, we want God to bless us, but we do not want him to chisel us, <laughs> you know? Yes. Correction, us.
0: chiseling, Correct transformation, us. whatever it is. Yeah. That's, that's not a fun process. It's no. like, Hey, just, just give me what I want. That makes me feel good Yeah. and makes me feel better. And I'll just move on and continue to do the things I've always done. Well, that's, yeah. that's not how that works.
1: No, no uh again dying to yourself feels like you're dying to yourself yes okay i mean it's not very much fun no (laughs) no uh or everybody would do it (laughs) right okay (laughs) yeah living for myself that's fun yes okay all right dying to myself oh man no, i don't want to do that all right uh another reaction is uh to cognitive dissonance is we delegitimize it uh, when we delegitimize something, we are trying to diminish or destroy the legitimacy or authority of something. So this involves undermining the evidence of the dissonance. So a person may do this by discrediting the person or the group or a situation that highlighted the dissonance to begin with. So, for example, they might say it is it, it is un, uh, untrustworthy or biased. You know, like, for example, if you were uh, to tell them they are rude. Uh, they may say, "No, you're just too sensitive." Okay, they're gonna they're gonna delegitimize what you're saying by emphasizing the fact you're just too. They're just gonna flip it around.
0: Well, yeah, make it a you problem instead of a me problem.
1: Right. That, that's yeah.
0: that's common common right. amongst people.
1: Yeah, and the same thing. Like another example would be somebody who struggles with a temper, and they they seem they're angry a lot. Well, they'll just say, "I'm passionate." you know
0: that is a nice way to say that
1: yeah uh huh yeah. yeah passionate okay well you're very offensive when you're passionate right. you know what i'm saying right yeah i have seen passion and that ain't it okay yeah passion so. and
0: offensive aren't normally two words that that <laughs> yeah. should go together right
1: yeah now you're just an angry person about this subject you are passionate about it but you yes. are angry about it you understand right. that you know two different things here Right. So we'll try to delegitimize it. And, uh, uh, all right. So the next one, another way we try to deal with it is we will justify it. Uh, some of these overlap a little bit, but there's some nuances in them. So when we justify ourselves, we are attempting to prove ourselves right. Now, when we respond this way, We're trying to explain that our behavior and beliefs do reconcile when they don't. So we'll say something like this. Well, I I do this because, and just fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. you know, or, well, it's not really that bad. I mean, it's, I'm not, you know, it's not compared to other sins. This is not a bad one or it's, well, it's better than what my brother does. You know what I'm saying? I call
0: that a what yeah,
1: yeah, I did this, but
0: what about him or what about her?
1: Yes, yeah, uh, you know, or at le- or we may phrase it like this. Well, at least I don't do. You know, they'll just. I've heard that one else. a lot. Yep. Yep. Uh, or we may say this. Well, there's a lot of people who agree with me on uh, that. This this is not wrong. Okay, sure. so all right. Okay. Yeah. Well, come on. I know five people who have, I've talked to them. They said, no, this is not wrong at all. I said, well, okay, but here's the thing. Those five people, if they're telling you it's not wrong, but the Bible says it's wrong. They're wrong too. They are wrong too. Well, yeah. Don't, don't we
0: all love to live in an echo chamber? We do, man. I love the sound of it, man. I'll tell you what, I I love the sound of it. And it's, you know, being able to recognize that, I'll tell you, that's one of the that's one of the hardest parts when you're dealing with the justification part, being able to recognize that you're living in an echo chamber. And because that requires that, you know, so for me, if if you were to tell me, hey, you know, whatever the problem was, and I say, well, there's five other people that tell me that I'm OK in this, you know, that takes a lot of trust and a lot of work for me to lean on you mm-hmm. instead of those five other people and go, well, let me let me let me think about this. You know, that's that's a lot of work. It, it, when you're in an echo chamber, it's really difficult to get out.
1: Yes. Um, because we love to, we, we confirmation bias. We, we love yes. to go out, find somebody who agrees with us and use that to continue doing whatever we want to do. If,
0: if we work hard enough, we can go find 20 people that will agree with any bad thing that we're doing. <laughs> if we work hard enough. And if yeah. we just took that same amount of energy to kind of focus on the problem, man, we'd be, we'd be batting a thousand out
1: here. Yeah. Well, okay. So um, it's interesting to live. Okay. So uh, I I like to listen to point counterpoint kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and you know, right now there's a bunch of stuff going on in our culture and you have two sides looking at the same issue and they have two. Uh, What are you talking about? What are you talking? About? I don't ever see that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. See, the <laughs> thing is, I can keep this very generic and general sure. <laughs> and not refer to because a year from now, whoever's listening to this podcast, yeah. they're going to think, oh, he's talking about. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> you, right. You know, five years from now, it, it, it'll be some other subject. Yep. And so, uh, but really, when you're hearing these point and counterpoints over whatever issue is going on on social media uh, or interculture, uh, I'm telling you just really ignore what they say. Start with what the Bible says and then say, okay, that connects with the Bible. That does not, you know, and then you can start building your argument and your foundation. Um, all right. So we're talking about justifying. We try to justify it in some way. Um, uh, and sometimes we will justify it by trying to limit the impact of it. You know, this involves limiting the discomfort of cognitive distance by belittling belittling its importance. So a person may do this by claiming the behavior is rare or just a one-off event or by providing a rational argument to convince themselves or others that behavior is okay and that they don't need change. So anyway, the Bible um, talks about this. Jesus tells a parable about a man who was a Pharisee who tried to justify how good and right he was. Based on how bad other people were, and so I'm gonna. Uh, so the man was praying and said this, and Jesus is telling the story in Luke 18. He says this. Jesus says the man says, "I thank God that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certain, certainly not like that tax collector." And he's it's like he's pointing to some nearby tax yeah, collector. I can see it. Yeah, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Okay, so look, I I know I'm I know I sin, but I'm not like that one. But my good outweighs my bad, so you know just overlook my bad. You know that kind of thing. That's what I'm hearing this Pharisee Pharisee saying. Well, that's justifying. You know, what I'm saying he the tax collector is trying to find a way to justify his own sin. Uh, but we do that all the time, and we do we're so good at it we don't even recognize when we're doing it and it's funny to me
0: that we base, we base how we feel about ourselves based off of other people instead of God. Yeah. When, when did that disconnect start happening? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, it's, we have forgotten, you know, so I'm a firm believer that the Bible and God's word is foundational truth. (coughs) Where in the world did that get skewed? Now, look uh, again, I am not on here. I am not perfect. I do all the above. Okay. So <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but I, 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 I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking to myself here, but it's like, when did that begin to happen? Why is it that I began basing my value worth and sinful nature based off of other people instead of going to the Bible and seeing what that foundational truth tells me about me? When when did we start doing that Jeff?
1: Uh I can tell you exactly when it happened. Tell me about it. It started when Adam said to God, it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> yeah. Well I know I did bad but what about her? Yeah, she it's her fault. I'm yes. not as bad I'm not as bad as her. Justification. And actually, <clears throat> yeah, and actually if you really dissect what Adam is saying, he's actually saying God it's your fault oh yeah
0: yeah because all roads really point to god like you know like whenever good like all the things that we think are bad it's like what are yeah. you really trying to yeah. say here if you break this yeah. thing down to its logical conclusion
1: right you're telling god he was wrong yeah we will justify our sin we'll justify our belief gap even if we have to blame god for it yes that's what With, see that's what adam is doing this it, it's just absurd <laughs> it's it absurd is. it really yeah. just is that's why the Bible's talking about how self-deceiving we are. I mean, we deceive ourselves all the time. Uh, again, it goes back to exam, taking time, breathing, and examining ourselves. And again, people just don't want to do that. We're too busy. We don't want to take time. It takes effort, it takes work. Uh, all right, so another way, this is number six, <clears throat> uh, that we try to close this gap, but it's, an, it's not the right way to do it, uh, is what I call, expedient belief change expedient belief change now okay now hear me out the oxford dictionary defines expedient as an action that is convenient and practical although possibly improper or immoral to attain an end okay now what we do here is that instead of addressing the behavior, what we'll do is to keep our wrong behavior. What we'll do is we will do a, we will change our belief to match our behavior. Expedient belief change. Sure. Okay. That's what we're doing. So this is where, um, you have Christians, they are uncomfortable with the concept of hell. So they'll redefine it. Okay. Okay. Instead of researching what the Bible really says, they'll redefine hell so it makes them feel better about people they think have died and gone hell because it makes them uncomfortable. Uh, you see this when Christians begin to support, uh, when I say support, um, I mean agree with the LGBTQ plus community uh, and they uh, see it just as an alternative lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, God made them that way. They start, they, they change their belief to fit their behavior. See what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This happens when a Christian couple decide to live together before getting married, even though they started off believing that sex outside of marriage is wrong. And then they'll, they'll change their belief about it, you know, in some form or another, as long as we love each other, it's okay. We're planning on getting married anyway. It's to test. Our marriage, make sure, you know, it's, it's legit, you know, and that kind of thing. And so again, instead of going back to the scripture, And based on our belief on that, we'll just change our belief to match up with what we want to do anyway. Uh, Expedient belief change. Now, um, again, we're going to come back to all these with every single one of the expressions. And so we're just going to, again, introduce the last one, which is the one that we want to land on. uh, And God's answer to cognitive dissonance and the belief gap is repentance. That's just the, the word repentance. And the Bible literally means the act of changing one's mind. And when you change one's mind, you produce a different behavior. So in a nutshell, what this means is uh, when you are repenting, you have agreed, you have agreed with God that you have a belief gap. You acknowledge it. You realize that you say, yeah, my belief does not uh, line up with my uh, belief. And I'm assuming the belief is correct. That's based on the scripture. Like you want to be honest, but you're telling lies. And so you're saying, all right, look, uh, I've got a problem here, God. I need help. I want to deal with this. I'm confessing this to you. I don't know what to do. I need your help. And that takes us all the way back to Romans 7, where Paul was saying, I've got this problem between what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And the only answer is Jesus. He's got to intervene in some way. Sure. So what that what that means is, you're going to do it the Jesus way, and that is, you're going to seek help from Him. It, the Bible also talks about you may have to, depending on the severity of the uh, belief gap, uh, you're going to have to. You may have to get Christian counseling. You may need to get therapy. You may need to take even medication. Uh, you know, you may have to deal with an addiction. You may have to, I mean, there's a lot of, the the Bible talks about getting practical help in this way. And so you just say, okay, God, I need your help to get through this thing because I can't do it on my own. I've tried. And
0: and I I think the key for, I think the key for the listener and for all of us is that that this road of repentance, uh, you know, if you took all these other, uh, all the other six ways that we deal with this, you're going to look at those roads and they're going to appear to be smoother and easier. Uh, Because in the moment, it probably would feel that way. This road to repentance, this is not a uh, snap your fingers and everything's okay. you know. So because the act of changing one's mind, well, somebody might go, well, how in the world do I do that? If it was that easy, just changing my mind, man, I would have already done it. The truth is, is that we're so just involved and and so covered with our own sin that I don't change in your mind takes a lot of work and a lot of help from God. So, you know, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be in, in, in his his time. So, you know, just kind of strap yourself in and get ready for the ride. I mean, it, it absolutely will result in a much better, much more comfortable life, but it's going to be some work, you know? So if you're willing to do the work, I mean, this is, this is where it's at really.
1: Well, okay. Paul, the one who wrote Romans chapter seven, Mm mm-hmm talking about that cognitive dissonance in his own life. Yeah. Well, a few chapters later, he's writing Romans chapter 12 and he says, renew your mind. (laughs) He talks about in Romans 12, he begins a whole chapter about renewing the mind. Why? So that you will know what God's will is for your life. Now, isn't that interesting? So, uh, and I I will say this, I, I, I don't know if we'll do this or not, but I'm seriously considering that once this cognitive dissonance thing is over, having the next podcast after this series and talk about this word repentance in the context of changing one's mind. And how do we actually do that? What does it look like? How do we get there? And, uh, because you're going to have to, and I I use this phrase, you're going to have to learn how to repent.
0: Sure. While you're in
1: the trenches, while While you're you're in the trenches. Yeah. While you are repenting, yes, you're going to have to learn how to repent. Yes. And um, so uh, I I think when we're talking about God's answer to cognitive dissonance, it is about embracing your belief gap, meaning uh, you're going to acknowledge it. You're going to agree with it. You're going to see it. And and you're determined to do something about it with God's help. So repenting says, okay, I'm not going to change my belief to match my behavior. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to delegitimize it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to devalue it and I'm not going to discard it. I am going to put a spotlight on it and God and I are going to work on this thing because I realize that this impacts my integrity, impacts my productivity as a Christian in the ministry. it, It impacts my relationships with my spouse, my kids, my grandkids, people I work with. Um, And we're, we're just going to hit this thing head on.
0: You know, I can't help. I I just can't help, but have the mental visual of, you know, embrace your cross.
1: yeah.
0: Carry that thing. It's going to be, it's going to be a burden. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be difficult, but embrace it. Don't let it go. You know, when you acknowledge something, you know, grab a hold of whatever that problem is and own it. You know, because you've got you've got one of two choices. You either let that issue be out in front of you and lead you or you grab it up and put it in position behind you. Really? And you can only do that with God's help. So, you know, for me, uh, you know, I want to find the things in my life that make me uncomfortable emotionally. I want to grip onto those things with all my might. And I want to pray to God and say, hey, look, I've got a hold of this thing now. Help me sort through it. And I know this isn't going to be fun, but I don't. I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to read, I'm going to take control of that every single day and say, God, help me with this. You know, yeah. I am struggling with this. Please help. Yeah.
1: Uh, and it is dying to yourself daily. Yes. Okay. Repenting is a daily process and, uh, in the spiritual growth of the, of the believer. And it's, it's one of those words that our, in the preaching church culture, it, it's, uh, that word is starting to get buried. I, it you
0: feels just, like it's lost. Like lost it's lost somehow. It's real yeah. meaning is lost.
1: Yeah. Um, and it just it becomes some word. It's kind of like it's so generic it means nothing anymore.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: You know? you know, and uh to a lot of people. All right. So all right, all right. So, listener, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna end it here. Uh, and next time we're gonna dive into the expression of cognitive dissonance that occurs when your belief encounters contradictory new information resulting in confusion doubt or anger in some way so uh, you know what what do you do when what you believe is challenged by new information that seems to be valid okay so as a christian i mean if you're going to grow i mean you, you've got a certain you've got some beliefs that you brought to the table um in your christian journey and then as you study the bible as you listen to preachers or podcasts or whatever you're gonna and as you think through things you're gonna encounter new information and you're gonna go wait a minute i i think my in this case you may think uh is my belief wrong well it may it may be and so this is where we're going to deal with evaluating I got to evaluate my current belief with this new information that may change what I believe. Okay. And we got to evaluate that information. Is the information valid? Is that truth valid? So, anyway, uh, and how do we handle that belief gap in that scenario? So, that will be uh, podcast number three or uh, part three in this little series on cognitive dissonance all right well listener uh man i'm glad you made it this far i hope this has been a blessing to you if you like it if you enjoy it if you are blessed by this i'm asking you to just share it somehow uh with others i think this is an, an, a crucial topic for believers uh in every generation because this is something we're all going to struggle with at just like just like paul did well until next time and have a great uh, great couple of weeks
0: Thank you for listening. This has been Conversations. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to click subscribe and leave us a great review. And to find out more about Genesis Church, please visit www.genesisbegins.com.